0: My favorite book of the Bible when I first got saved was the book of Index. (laughs) Uh, That's the only way I could find things in time uh, before the sermon was over. Uh, In Judges chapters uh, uh, 19 through 20, we saw just a a very sordid and sad uh, occasion that occurred in the nation of Israel. Can anybody tell me what the Bible says is basically the theme of the rule of the Judges? Brother Tim? Yeah, everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, didn't say they did what was wrong. They did what was right in their own eyes. And uh, we reminded in Proverbs, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You and I can't be trusted to be the arbiters of what is spiritually right and wrong because we have a sinful nature, don't we? And uh, that that selfish flesh wants to do what it wants to do. So that's why we have to rely on the word of God uh, to be that which tells us that. Uh, Now, they didn't have the full word of God, but they had some. They had Genesis probably through Joshua uh, by the time the rule of the judges started. So they had six books of the Bible. Uh, They knew how God wanted them to live. They just chose not to. In the last few chapters of Judges, we're no longer talking about a specific judge who arose and how they had a a victory over their enemies and so forth. God's given us a couple of examples of this is what happens when you do what's right in your own eyes. The last example was a Levite who had a concubine that uh, cheated on him, ran away, and he wanted to amend things, so he went to Bethlehem uh, to speak kindly to her, Uh, spent some time there and uh, on their journey back uh, it was getting late in the day and one of his servants said here's this city we know it was Jebus in those days later named Jerusalem said why don't we come in here and spend the night it's getting late and the Levite said no I'm not going to spend the night in a Canaanite city Uh, The the, the Jewish people had conquered the land, but not every part of the land, uh, and they let some of the Canaanites stay, and Jebus was one of those places. The Levite, I think wisely, just said, I don't want to trust my family uh, to the world and to what they might do. So they traveled a little further into the area controlled by the tribe of Benjamin, um, and there they came into a city, and uh, he thought this is a good place to be, but it turned out to be a disaster. Turned out that the men of uh, of that city uh, were wicked. They were sodomites. Uh, they they uh, came in, in in the evening and pounding on the door. They wanted to to uh, uh, do wickedness with this this Levite man that had traveled in, and for some reason. Um the, the Levite, uh, uh, rather than go out himself and, and stand his ground, he sent his concubine out. If you remember, they abused her all night, the Bible says. Uh, she crawled her way back to this house they were staying in. And in the morning, he came out and found her dead on the doorstep. Her hands were on the, 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 the threshold of the house. Uh, what did he do as a result of that? Anybody remember? Yeah, he cut her up in how many pieces? 12, and uh, they didn't have UPS in those days, so probably by means of messenger, uh, there was a peace that went out to all of the tribes of Israel, uh, and the messenger undoubtedly shared the event that brought this about. It was a gruesome, uh, horrible thing. Uh, there's really no precedent for that. Uh, there's There's nothing in the Bible, but this man overcome either with grief or with anger or with both. Uh, uh did so, and the nation of Israel rallied. They, they understood that that kind of wickedness could not go on. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for that same kind of sin. Um, and uh, so they rallied together. They came to the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, the Israelites had a massive army. And they came to the tribe of Benjamin and told them what had happened and said, well, you need to turn the men of that city over to us. They need to pay for their sin and their crime. What did the rest of the tribe of Benjamin do? How did they respond to that challenge? Yeah, they defended them. They said, no, 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 we're not going to turn them over. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's family. Um, and they made a grave mistake. They took the wrong side on the issue. And sometimes when we deal with family, it gets complicated, doesn't it? Um, And they should have taken a stand. They just, they just did not do so. And so they rallied themselves to war and they weren't going to hold this, the men of that city uh, accountable. And the Israelites prayed about it and said, God, should we attack? And God let them go. How'd the first day of battle go? Does anybody remember? Who won? Benjamin did. Tens of thousands of the rest of the Israelites died in battle. They came back to Shiloh where the tabernacle was, the house of God, and they wept and they prayed in and, and a difficult, difficult time and asked the Lord, should we keep going? And the Lord said, go. So they went out on the second day. Who won? Yeah, Benjamin won again. And uh, tens of thousands more Israelites perished in this. Uh, I, I made a note to myself, you understand when we do wrong, a lot of other people get hurt in the process. Uh, John Donne, the the poet, wrote, no man is an island. We are all interconnected. We are members one of another. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, whether one member suffer, we all suffer with it. When one member rejoices, we all rejoice with it. And understand this, when one member does wrong, we don't all do wrong with it, but we all suffer from that. We're weakened by that. And there's an effect that goes on. Uh, it's one of the reasons I believe that God allowed the Israelites to lose in the first two or three attempts at this battle. Um, uh, to, to bring home this matter that, that uh, when, when we sin, it's going to hurt other people. We're adults in this room. We are parents. We are grandparents. Some maybe even great-grandparents uh, in this room. Please understand, we have, we have an uh, ongoing influence with those people that are our children, our offspring. We have an influence with our friends, with our neighbors, and we need to take that very, very seriously. That testimony is worth preserving. Um, eventually, they went out. Uh, we are in chapter uh, 20, and uh, they went out and, uh, against the Benjamites, and uh, there was a great slaughter that day. Uh, they were all at, at, at the city of Jabesh and uh, so forth. And uh, the, the city was set on fire. Verse number 41, when the men of Israel turned again, the men of Benjamin were amazed, for they saw that evil was come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel unto the way of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them. And Them which came out of the cities, they destroyed in the midst of them. Thus they enclosed the Benjamites round about and chased them And trode them down with ease. The battles that the days before, they could not win. All of a sudden, they're winning with ease. Uh, Now, against Gibeah toward the sun rising. And their fellow Benjamin, 18,000 men. All these were men of valor. They were strong soldiers. They were were men uh, of great character. They had just chosen the wrong side on the issue. Um, That's almost all of their army is decimated. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness unto the rock of Rimon, and they gleaned of them in the highways 5,000 men. As they're chasing this fleeing army, another 5,000 have fallen, that's 23,000. They pursued hard after them unto Gidim and slew 2,000 men of them. So 25,000 men that drew sword, verse 46, all men of valor they're all perished from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of the smallest tribes. This is almost all of the men. When when they went to war in those days, they didn't really have a draft. They just they just blew the trumpet and all the men left their farms, their jobs, their families, and they all went and they fought. So this is almost all the men. Uh, this tribe is, is, uh, is, is in bad shape. Look at verse 47, but 600 men... Turned and fled to the wilderness unto the rock Rimon. It was a, a, a rocky uh, promontory, sort of like a not quite a mountain uh, that just sort of stuck up from the plain a little bit. And uh, they so they went there. They abode in the rock Rimon four months. Six hundred men—that's all that's left in the entire tribe of Benjamin. Um, the 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 rest of the nation is in shambles. You understand? There are twenty five thousand widows. There are, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of fatherless children. Uh, there's nobody to till the fields. There's nobody to do the work. There's nobody to defend them uh, anymore. There's these 600 men, and, and they are, you know, they're fugitives. They're, they're hiding out uh, in this rocky spot called Rimmon, and four months go by. And the men of Israel turned again upon the children of Benjamin. They weren't done. They defeated the army, but their rage has reached a point And they take it a step farther. The men of Israel turned again upon the children of Benjamin and smote them with the edge of the sword, as well the men of every city, as the beast, and all that came to hand. Also they set on fire all the cities that they came to. Um, They've gone above and beyond. Uh, We've got to be careful that our anger does not take us to places we ought not go. Once we start giving in to anger, generally reason goes completely out of the, the window. They've defeated the army. In, se- in a sense, they won. Now, I can see them going back to the city that sinned and dealing with them harshly. But they went to every city of Benjamin, and those cities are defenseless. The only men left would be older people. Uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe people that can't handle a sword anymore, that type of thi- thing. They, they just slaughtered every man that they found left. They burned the cities with fire, and there was nobody to stop them. So not only are these women and children that are left, not only are they widows and fatherless, they're homeless. And this is God's people doing this to God's people. Can I say this? Two wrongs have never made a right in the history of the world. They, they just never have. Um, but uh, their, their rage has overtaken them and so forth. In verse 21, chapter 21 now, Now the men of Israel... Sworn in Mizpah, that's where they all gathered their forces together, saying, "There shall not any of us give his daughter unto Benjamin the wife." They 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 took a vow on themselves, saying that when this was all over, uh, and we've defeated them, we're not going to give our daughters to the the, the girls of or our, our sons to the daughters of Benjamin, so that they might remarry and start over again. They they had some bizarre idea. Uh, In their anger, we're going to just, we're going to stomp them out. In another generation, they won't be here. Uh, But they made this vow before the Lord, and they're going to later on regret the vow that they made once their temper cools down. Anybody here ever do something in a fit of anger? Uh, I've told you about a a car that I had. It was a uh, 1974 Plymouth Scamp. Um, and it, 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 it looked very nice. The interior was pristine. The exterior was the same way. Uh, but it had a bad habit of just shutting off when I was going down the highway. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I had an extra ballast resistor. I had an extra condenser. Remember those terms about our cars and, and stuff like that. There was a little computer module that was, uh, you know, bolted to the, to the chassis and so forth, and, and I had extras of all of them, and I, all I would do is just change, you know, the, the wires on one of them, and sometimes my car would start, and, uh, you know, nobody could figure out what was wrong. My dad was a, an incredible mechanic, and he couldn't really come to the answer. What, what needed to be done is that car needed to go to a junkyard and be destroyed, and I think eventually it was. But uh, I was leaving my parents' house one night on a Saturday evening. It was their anniversary, It was cold. It was was raining hard. I got a mile or so away, uh, down a real steep hill, and on the way down the hill, my car shut itself off. So I'm out there with a flashlight, and I'm changing all these things around, trying to start it, and nothing worked. So I had to trudge all the way back home in the rain uh, to my, my parents' house and so forth. But in my anger, I kicked my car. I mean, I kicked it right in the bumper. That car screamed and begged for mercy it didn't hurt the car at all, but I did break my toe, you know. And then I had to walk home in the rain with a broken toe, you know. Uh, anger's is a really bad. Anger is a stupid thing, but anger is a dangerous thing. And so these men of Israel, in their anger, they're, they're, they're doing a lot of things wrong. Yes, they consulted God about the battle, but there were other things. They didn't consult God at all. They're doing what was right in their own eyes as well. Um, And uh, But things have cooled down, verse 2, and the people came to the house of God, that would be Shiloh, and abode there till even before God, and lifted up their voices, and wept sore, and said, O Lord God of Israel, why is this come to pass in Israel, that there should be today one tribe lacking in Israel? And interesting, they're blaming this on God. Why'd you let this happen? Well, dudes, you did it. Okay, there's one thing about punishing the men of that city that did wrong. And yes, Benjamin rallied around the wrong cause, and they had to go to war uh, to accomplish their goals, but they didn't have to slaughter everybody the way that they did. Um, but their rage took over. But, you know, sometimes after we cool down, it's amazing how much regret we have? I had a lot of regret trudging up that hill in the rain with a broken toe. That was a long mile. That was a long thing. Then I had to go in and explain to my my parents what happened and go back out with my dad and and, and all those kind of things, try to fix it, which it didn't get fixed. But uh, after anger is done, generally we cool off and we look back to see what our anger did. And seldom do we ever see that it did anything good. Am I right? We need to keep that under control. Make thou the prophet says, make no friendship with an angry man, with a furious man. Thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and it become a snare unto thee. Um, and so the, the the men of Israel have realized um, grave mistake made, and sadly they're they're blaming it on God, um, but at least they're they're recognizing it. Verse four. It came to pass on the morrow that the people rose early built there an altar and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Um, Maybe they're trying to get right with God. They're understanding the gravity of the situation. They're possibly realizing how much they need the Lord. Um, And so there's still this burden amongst them. and, And they realize one of their tribes is about to go out of existence. The children of Israel said, who is there? Among all the tribes of Israel that came not up with the congregation unto the Lord. For they had made a great oath concerning him that came came not up to the Lord to Mizpah. That's where they planned the battle, saying, He shall surely be put to death. So they're not just going after Benjamin. They're going after anybody that didn't side with them. So they're saying, If you don't come up with us to this battle, you will die. Okay? Okay? You know, in our country, if, when the draft was on, if, if you evaded the draft and got caught, you'd, what, get thrown in prison or whatever, or you'd go to Canada and live under Justin Trudeau. Uh, either way, great punishment. Um, but uh, they, they said, if you don't side with us, we'll kill you. I mean, these, they're, they're, really, they're really going out there with their anger. The children of Israel repented them for, their, for Benjamin, their brother. Wouldn't it have been nice if they'd have been thoughtful about that beforehand to say, let's control ourselves in this. Let's deal with the sin issue, deal with those that did wrong. And yeah, there's war and Benjamin has come out against us, but let's be mindful of what our real uh, reason for being here is. But now they've repented for Benjamin, their their brother, and said there is one tribe cut off from Israel this day. How shall we do for wise for them that remain? How many remain? We're all whispering. Six hundred. Okay, we learned that in the, uh, the last chapter. Those six hundred men on the rock Rimon. Okay, that's it. Okay, how shall we do for wives for them that remain, seeing we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them our of our daughters to wives? And they said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel that came not up to Mizpah to the Lord? And behold, there came none to the camp from Jabesh Gilead to the camp uh, to the assembly. For the people were numbered, and behold, there were none of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead there. And the congregation sent thither 12,000 men of the val- valiantist and commanded them, saying, Go and smite the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword with the women and the children. So they're still killing people. But again, they made that foolish vow to God before it all started to say, If you don't come up to us, come up with us and join in the fight. You're going to surely be put to death and there they feel compelled because it was an oath before the lord uh, that they needed to do that be careful about what you vow before god uh, take a, a moment turn to ecclesiastes chapter five ecclesiastes chapter five now they made a a foolish vow and i think they should have taken that to the lord uh, about it even at this point they did not but there's this, a seriousness about promising God something. Verse 1, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. In other words, don't let things run away from you. Don't get caught up in things. And be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. Don't immediately promise something in the heat of the moment. Uh, let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, but a fool's voice is known by multitude of words. In context here, a fool is being described as someone uh, that goes into the house of God. They get caught up in the spirit of everything going on and they make some kind of a hasty promise or a hasty vow before God. They've never thought it through, will I be able to perform this vow? Is this within, in, in my ability to take care of? Is this really what God would have me to do? They're just uttering it before the Lord. Uh, verse four says, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. So if I make a promise to God and don't keep it, what does the Bible say I am? I'm a fool. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, that's a bad thing. Um, He said, you you keep it better Is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. It'd be better for you not to make the promise at all than to promise God something and then not do it. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? So we need to be careful about this. Um, for example, uh, modern day, uh, we have what we call faith promise here at our church where we pray about it as individuals or as families. Uh, Lord, what would you have me to give towards the work of missionaries? That number on the wall representing the people that have been saved around the world in the last 20 years through missions. Um, and we, we write it down on a piece of paper and turn it in. Now we don't have any names on there. We don't, we don't care about that. Because uh, nobody's going to come knocking on your door saying, hey, you promised so much for Faith Promise Missions. And we noticed on your envelope it wasn't, that doesn't happen. So all we know is that X number of people said we're going to give this and it totals up to so much a, a week uh, uh, towards Faith Promise Missions. But all in all, it's it's upon us as individuals. Well, nobody knows what I put on my card. Nobody has any idea whatsoever. Well, I take that back. Somebody does know. Who? Yeah, God knows. And it's about faith, and supposedly I've prayed about it, and I've, I've asked the Lord about it, and let the Lord lead me to where I should be. And when I put that number down, and I turned that in, do you understand that's a vow before the Lord? Nobody else knows it was me that put that card in. Nobody else knows what's on there, But but God, but God did. Guess what God expects me to do? Fulfill it. He expects me to do it, otherwise I'm a fool. Otherwise, I'm I'm in trouble with God. So these people back in Judges 20 and 21, they had made this made a vow and and they 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 shouldn't have made it. I, I personally think they should have gone to God and asked him what he wanted them to do about the vow. But at least they took their vow seriously. I guess that's the one good thing we can say about them. They did that. And uh, so, uh, you know, they went out and destroyed the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead, and they had a reason for that. Um, And uh, this is verse 11. This is the thing that ye shall do. Ye shall utterly destroy every male, all the men of that city, and every woman that hath lain by man. Any woman that's been married uh, or widowed or whatever, uh, destroy all of them. And they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young virgins that had not known man by lying with any male. They brought them under the camp to Shiloh. That's where the tabernacle was, which is in the land of Canaan. So they found in this city of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young girls, never married. They were pure. They were virgins. And they brought them back. And the whole reason they brought them back is they're going to marry these 600 men of Benjamin. But they're 200 short, aren't they? Okay, they got 600 men, now they got 400 brides. Does, does anybody see, is anybody else unnerved by this? Um, you know, I, I understand arranged marriages in some cultures. This goes way beyond an arranged marriage. These young girls aren't getting any choice in the matter, uh, nor are their parents. Uh, uh, they, are, they are, if you will, kidnapped. Uh, but it's it's going to get more bizarre than that. The whole congregation sent some to speak to the children of Benjamin. Verse 13, chapter 21, that were in the rock Rimon and to call peaceably unto them. These guys are up there fearing for their lives. Uh, they have no idea what's going to come against them. Uh, and uh, as far as they know, they're, they're, the rest of the nation is conspiring to come and finish them off once and for all. So they send some ambassadors out, no weapons, none of that, to just kind of speak peaceably. Four months have gone by, and, and these guys are, are, are undoubtedly tired. Uh, they're grieving the loss of all of their comrades, worrying about their families back home. They, they have no idea what's transpired So the rest of the Israel sent some some messengers to speak peaceably unto them. Benjamin came again at that time. The 400 men, they talked them to coming out of that place of Rimon, and they gave wives which they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, and yet so they sufficed not. I don't know how they did this. I don't know they drew names out of a hat um i have no idea i don't know if they had a relay race and the you know the first 400 that got to the girls you know got one uh it doesn't say that uh but these 400 girls they just saw their their hometown destroyed their parents killed uh all of that stuff they've been they've been dragged away to shiloh which is the house of god and now They have no choice. All of a sudden, they're marrying some guy they've never met before, and they're being dragged off to a place they've never been to before. Do you see how sad this whole episode is? There's no good answer to it. The people repented them for Benjamin. Boy, came a little late because that the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. Then the elders of the congregation said, how shall we do for wives for them that remain? There are 200 guys standing there saying, what about us? The rest of the nation said, we've made a promise to God that we won't give our daughters to you. So these 400 guys are saying, well, so what are we going to do? Seeing that the women are destroyed out of Benjamin, and they said there must be an inheritance for them that be escaped of Benjamin, that the tribe be not destroyed out of Israel. Howbeit we may not give them wives of our daughters, for the children of Israel have sworn, saying, cursed be he that giveth a wife to Benjamin. Now they come up with plan number two. Then they said, Behold, there is a feast of the Lord in Shiloh yearly in a place which is on the north side of Bethel, on the east side of the highway, that goeth up from Bethel to Shechem and on the south of Labona. So there's a feast of the Lord every year. The Bible doesn't say what feast it is, but it appears that this feast is is kind of different. It's, It's in Shiloh. But it seems like it starts in a place called Shechem, which is to the north several miles. Um, and it's sort of like as they journey from that point on, uh, it's, if you will, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like a parade. And and they're rejoicing and they're getting ready for this feast and, and, and so forth. Um, th- that's the best way we know to describe it. They said there's this yearly feast. Uh, some commentators said it, it might have been the Feast of Passover, though that was generally a very solemn feast and wouldn't have been celebrated in that way. Pentecost may be the Feast of Harvest, uh, the first of, the Feast of first fruits, Possibly, uh, some have thought that this might have actually been the feast uh, to Jephthah's daughter. Remember, um, the, 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 every year the, the uh, girls would go and they'd they'd lament. Uh, Jephthah's daughter, uh, who, who either died in her virginity or yielded herself to God to never ever be married because of Jephthah's foolish vow. Some have thought that maybe this is how those young ladies celebrated that and they traveled to, to Shiloh. There's no real answer to it, but uh, they knew there was this feast. Therefore, they commanded the children of Benjamin. That's these 200 guys saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards. Hide in the grapevines. Okay? And see, and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in uh, dances, then come ye out of the vineyards and catch you every man his wife out of the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. Wow. Just, just jump up, ta-da, and grab one and go. Um, is anybody else seeing a problem with this? It, does anybody else see that this just seems wrong? Um, it, it, it really does. There's no Bible precedent for it uh, and so forth. Uh, it, they're, they're at Shiloh, but it doesn't appear that, that they're asking God because God doesn't deal in wrongdoing, uh, that type of thing. Um, so, so just just grab one uh, and go. And it shall be when their fathers or their brethren come unto us to complain because their dads are going to be mad. You messed with my daughters. You've messed with me. I'm going to be mad. I'm not going to like that. He said, when they come to complain that we will say unto them, be favorable unto them for our sakes, because we reserve not to each uh, man his wife in the war, for ye did not give unto them at this time that ye should be guilty. Blame it on them. Saying, you knew these guys uh, needed wives. Why didn't you bring your daughters and give it to them? We can't, but you could. And if they come to complain, we'll, we'll just, you know... We'll take it on us, but eventually we're going to put a guilt trip on them. The children of Benjamin did so and took them wives according to their number of them that danced whom they caught. They went and returned unto their inheritance and repaired the cities and dwelt in them. Six hundred men left. Now they got six hundred brides. Uh, there used to be a TV show called Here Come the Brides. Anybody remember that from the, I think, the 60s? some mining town or logging town or something like that, and there, there were no women in the town, just men, so they, you know, sent some newspaper article in the East, and this trainload of women came into town, and the, the whole show was built about that. How many remember? How many think that a bizarre show? Yeah, it didn't last very long. Uh, this is worse than that. Totally worse than that. The children of Israel departed thence at that time, every man to his tribe, to his family, and they went out from thence, every man to his inheritance. Everybody goes home. It's a done deal. Tens of thousands of people are dead. Damage and destruction have been wrought all over the, 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 the tribe of Benjamin's in shambles. Uh, you understand their economy's destroyed. They have, they have 600 men left to defend. They gotta start over again. We believe that th- this event did not take place at the end of the period of Judges. It either took place at the beginning or early middle part, because by the time we get ready to move into 1 Samuel, we'll find out that the tribe of Benjamin is repopulated. And in spite of all of their loss, um, the first king of Israel was going to come from what tribe? It's going to come from Benjamin. His name? King Saul. So the tribe is going to rebuild, but it, it's, it's been a horrible thing. And look at verse 25. This is how the book of Judges closes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So God put this story in there to remind us, this is what happens when we take God out of the equation. Well, well, I think, well, that, that's okay. That's what you think. But does that line up with what the Bible says? Okay, well, I know the Bible says, but I just don't see it that way. That makes you wrong. Okay, and we can't expect to do what's right in our own eyes that is contrary to the word of God and turn, things turn out any better than it did for the nation of Israel. Again, there's a lot in, especially this last event. God gives us like three to four chapters all about that. Um, there's a lot in there. I don't know about you. It boggles my mind. Um, I have searched through the commentaries. I've searched through history and stuff like that to find out uh, the reasons why they did things. And there's no good answer for it other than we're doing that which is right in our own eyes. And everything about it uh, was an absolute disaster. So we have much to learn from, don't we? But aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on us when we mess up? I'm not going to ask you if you've ever messed up. I'm sure you haven't. I know I have, and I, and I know there are always consequences to pay when we mess up, are there not? Uh, you make a bad investment, there are consequences from that, you're going to lose money, you may lose your house, you may lose your car, uh, and so forth, but that doesn't mean you can't start over and rebuild, and with God, his, his mercies are new, how often? Every morning, aren't you glad for that? Anybody here need that every day? Yes, because I I can't remember a time that I've woken up in the morning saying, hey, I did everything right yesterday. There's always something that, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I'm so glad that there's a fresh start. Doesn't mean there aren't consequences from the wrong that I do. But God's not done with Israel, as we clearly know. And even today, though for 2,000 years, Israel as a nation has rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah, The Apostle Paul points out to us in the book of Romans that all Israel shall be saved. There's coming a day that's going to change. That's going to change. Aren't you glad God's not done? And I'm glad God's not done with me. And I'm glad God's not done with you. Um, Let's learn from this to be very careful. David said, order my steps according to thy word. God... You order my steps. You tell me what to do. We're not good at taking orders, are we? we? We just aren't. But David learned, and he learned kind of the hard way at times. Lord, I need to let you tell me what the next step ought to be. And, and that's a great takeaway from the book of Judges. We need to stop there. And after forever, we're done with the-